Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens with music this time, unlike our last episode. Drew, how's it going, sir? Um, overall, I think it's going pretty good. How things with you? Not too bad. You know, like I, I mentioned last week, I was in uh, Palm Springs, California for work. It was really weird because I was in Southern California and it felt like the same kind of weather from when I left Chicago, like mid 50s. It was crazy because it was raining and it, that's really rare out there. Like just weird to see people react to the rain, people overdressed in like winter coats because it's 55 and it was very bizarre. And of course, as I'm leaving, that's when it was a really nice day. And then I flew home to Chicago to be greeted with some 30 degree temperatures. So yeah. that kind of stunk, but happy to be back. Happy to be talking bulls again, although they didn't really give us much to be excited about because the last time we spoke, um, they were just coming off the Pat Beverly high and they dropped a, I think a game they needed for this play in scenario to the, the Raptors uh, beat the, the Pistons, but then lose two straight to the Suns and the Pacers. And now the Pacers hold a tiebreaker on the Chicago Bulls if they were to tie in any scenario for playing implications. It, look, Drew, it's been rough, like three and seven in their last 10, um, 29, 36 overall. And, you know, as we sit here today, if I look at Tankathon, 31.9% chance at the top at a top four pick and that's crazy to look at seven and a half percent still for that number one overall pick like i think we're coming to a, a reality that the the playoffs are probably out of the picture and the play-in could be pretty bleak too yeah um you referenced take upon in terms of the draft lottery guys i'm going to go to basketball reference and tell you that as of this moment, they give the Bulls a 14% chance of making the playoffs and a 19.9% chance of securing the tenth seed and sneaking into the play-in tournament. And I just, I, I feel like we've we've been we've been coming to this conclusion for a while now. Um, some people have already gotten there. I think that this team has, there's been a lot of, a lot of teasing going on. There was a term I was going to use, but I'm going to keep it PG. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of teasing, you know, they, they, they show you might be able to stack games on top or something more meaningful. They drop a game. And I don't think it's, it's not to me, it hasn't been a lack of urgency as it is the team's biggest flaws, as we know them, just continuing to come back and haunt them. You know, they're they're um, pretty good defensive rebounding team, but at the worst times imaginable, they can't secure a rebound, which leads mm -hmm. to second chance points. And a lot of times I feel feel like it, it leads to spray out threes that teams are, are knocking down and just killing the Bulls and stifling any chance at you know a comeback or or a victory or like I said a, a a real chance to stack some wins together and at this point in the season and I think we spoke about this last time we talked when we had buzz on from on tap sportsnet it's just we're at a point now where those lottery balls mean more than actual victories and them finding a way to get to the the temp seed um that's kind of at least that's where i am with it right now yeah i'm kind of in the same boat right now where i'm looking at things through the lens of how can we get towards the end of the season and what what should the end goal for the chicago bulls be like the front office clearly wants to i think hang their hat on the core that they have right now or the, the big three they have right now can get them into the play-in. But my issue with that is you set a goal before the season of, of doing better than you did the year before. And last year you were in the playoffs. You were the sixth seed. And if you're building on last year, the, the goal should be, well, 
win a first round matchup. And I think that was what we were sort of sold is that that was the vision and the goal for this team. So for somebody like Artur Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, I'm kind of confused why the approach that they took coming out of the deadline was let's keep this going and see if we can get into the plan. And, and what does that really do for you though long term? You know, as an executive, your job is to sort of remove yourself from that. Um, I'm going to steal something actually, a, a thought, because I agree with it 100%, and, and I want to give credit where it's due. Danny Parkins said this on 670 The Score the other day that, you know, coaches and players should believe that they need to win game in and game out, but executives should be neutral. In most of those cases, they need to take the bird's eye view of everything on the roster, the situation that's in front of them. And I think just logically, given where the Bulls are at right now, the lack of draft capital, the, the lack of um, really chance to get to the playoffs, and really all you're going to do is fight maybe to get into the play-in, you know, as an executive, do you need to really give it a hard look and say – this isn't working. We need to be in selling mode. And instead they, they decided to be in a buying mode and, and chose not to, you know, I think spend a lot. At least that's what Arturis Karnashova said is that they were kind of viewing it as, in the lens of buyers. Um, it just, it's unfortunate because, you know, when we kind of came into the season and I've said this on so many episodes before drew, but like you couldn't sense that coming because we didn't see the like major moves around the margins and the, and the fringe areas of the roster to really add to the current core. Um, and it's unfortunate because I think it just wasted a, an entire season for Bulls fans. Um, and look, I mean, Bulls fans still want to listen to podcasts. I mean, based on the numbers I've seen, that's it's great. And I think a lot of it's just out of frustration and kind of therapy. But, you know, given where the Bulls were at, you know, after the 2017 season, after trading Jimmy Butler, going through a, a rebuild and then coming out of it and then having to deal with a season like this, it's it's been hard. It's been really hard to kind of uh, see this happen and kind of see Bulls Nation just completely, I think, stunned week in, week out. It's it has been. It has been. And to, to your point, you know, the best way to salvage this season, in my mind, I think in your mind, a lot of people's minds, is for them to, you know, take a risk of being able to keep the top four protected pick and not have that conveyed to the Magic. Because at least then you have something tangible. You have an asset coming your way in a summer full of questions, full yep. of just questions about where this roster is going. Are you going to re-sign Nikola Vucevic? Um, are you going to look into Zach Levine again? What about DeMar DeRozan? They have a, uh, a few players who are also up, you know, the Kobe Whites, the Ayo Dusumus, the Javante Greens of the world, um, Andre Drummond and um, Derrick Jones Jr. have player options. So there's a lot of uncertainty, and at least with that, that's something that you know, or that's a player that you know is coming, uh, no matter who you get, uh, that theoretically or ostensibly can help your team in the future. Whereas if you lose that pick, you know, that's just one more, whatever the antonym is for notching your belt, <laughs> that's, that's one more thing going in the opposite direction. Well, you know, and it's kind of weird because I, I think a good expression for this would be that you know, the, the whole is less than the sum of the parts, right? Like in this case, there's some nice individual pieces on this Bulls roster that you can look at and say, well, this, this player has value. This player has value. If I pluck that player and threw him on this roster, I think he'd be pretty good. But there's just something weird about the collection. And I'm actually getting to a point, Drew. I'm starting to lose a little more faith in Billy Donovan, you know, game in and game out. And I've been in that camp of, you know, really giving him, I think a little more benefit of the doubt than most people have, because I've looked at roster construction. I, I totally agree with that being a problem on this team. Cause we we've talked ad nauseum about that, 
of what could have been done to kind of improve the current situation that this team finds themselves in. But a, a really good example was that that loss against Detroit, where you have a major league lead and and Zach Levine is going off in that game. And what did he get? I think one or two shot attempts in the fourth quarter. It did he not get a one, lot of touches. One one shot. Don't know how many touches. One shot. He didn't come in until about the seven twenty-two mark in the quarter. Um, and, I, I, I think they they schemed up a little bit. I think uh, to try to keep the ball out of his hands, as would any team in their right mind that that seeing a player go off the way that he was going off. But continue. I'm sorry. No, no, and and but. You know, and that's a good point, too, because I think this kind of to, to piggyback onto that of like you seeing a defense scheme to kind of keep him you know, limited from from scoring the basketball. But if you're Billy Donovan, they pay you to find ways to scheme the hot hand open, you know, find ways to make sure that he's cooking again, because. You know, it, it's moments like that. And it, it takes me back to a moment last year. And, of course, Rob Schaefer, who used to be part of NBC Sports Chicago. I, By the way, just real quick, I hope he lands on his feet at some point here. Because, you know, I, I miss, like, seeing his content, Twitter thoughts, all of that. So let me interject real quick because you brought up Rob yeah. Schaefer. He yeah. actually is going to be contributing articles to Bulls.com. And he has one up about Zach Levine and, and four stats that point to his return to all-star form. So, Whoa, um, where, I missed yeah, this bombshell. You, you've spoken into existence, Matt. Shit. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for Rob because I, I must have missed that in the last week or something, but, um, I think you, just, you know, maybe I think just, just freelancing. Out today. I think you just tweeted it out uh, Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just saw, like, yeah, I'm looking at Twitter right now. Wow, well, then – Heck, I must have missed that while I was at work. I'm glad to hear that. Good for Rob and, you know, I, it, rest of the season, probably got, getting a little bit of a freelance opportunity. But I'm just going to go back. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sometimes, so real quick, and I'm doing what my friends can't stand about me. I sometimes go on side tangents in the middle of larger points that I make. This is actually a great example of that because I'm giving you another story about that. But <laughs> this story for another day. Um, so Rob Schaefer, I remember, um, was on, I think it was either 670 of the score doing one of his hits or he was on, uh, Bulls talk last season. And there was just a really good point that somebody had made when they were grading the Bulls coaching staff. And actually now I'm wondering, wait, was it, was it Schaefer Gottlieb? Okay, either one of them. <laughs> anyway, I I feel terrible, but I just remember the point being made that, um, you know, Billy Donovan's a good coach around, you know, really talented players. Like even in his days in Florida, like he had a usually really good recruiter, got some of the best talent in the country, and kind of allowed them to do their thing. But the one thing that is is really interesting that um, either either Rob or Will pointed out <laughs> was sometimes when there was an issue, though, he would always explain what was wrong, but never really resolve it. And it was after that game in Detroit where, you know, you have a big lead and then it ends up being a, a two-point win only. And, you know, Billy Donovan's talking about how, the, you know, they just escaped it, you know, by the skin of their teeth and is, is basically saying, like, you know, we, we let go of some things. We really didn't, you know, get the ball into Zach's hands enough. Well, yeah, no shit. Why didn't, why didn't, why didn't you try to do that? Um, and it kind of goes back to moments like even against the Pacers. Zach is cooking. You, I know you were there for that game. Um, you know, he's cooking. And then what happens? Like. DeMar DeRozan goes into hero ball. And we've seen that happen quite a bit. Why aren't you able to push the message across? Like, Hey, DeMar, like Zach's cooking. Let's go. Like we got to get the ball in his hands. Yeah. It, it's things like that. And like that, that is on coaching a little bit. And we, we can definitely talk a lot more about roster construction. Cause I, I'm sure we have a lot more thoughts about that, but we brought that up a bit, but I'm starting to kind of get 
a little more annoyed with Billy Donovan as the season's drawn on because he's really not selling this to players like we were told he would. You know, this is what we were kind of sold as as what makes Billy Donovan a great coach. He's really good at developing talent, young talent, really good at, you know, convincing veterans to play a certain style of ball, right? He, he was able to do it with Chris Paul. He was able to do it with um, Russell Westbrook, with Kevin Durant. Well, here in Chicago, we have, you know, I think the, the big three basically, well, I would say two of the big three tuning them out. And we, Zach's been a little more public about it. And there's been more rumblings about him not buying in. And really, in terms of player development standpoint, what have we seen under Billy Donovan? We saw, and I hate saying this, we saw Wendell Carter and, and Laurie Markkinen leave and blossom elsewhere. Um, and, you know, I hate making that argument a lot, but I mean, it's the truth. And now what, what are we seeing in terms of player development? I, there's nothing I can really hang my hat on with him. So I think we have to start putting him under the microscope too, when it comes to all this. Yeah. I mean, in, in a season like this, you push everybody under that microscope from the front office to the coaching staff to the players, everybody deserves to have that mirror put in front of them. Um, and to have them reflect on what they could be doing better, or what they could have done better. I, like you, have been somebody that's been slow to, not, I want to say slow to criticize, but um, to me, Billy's been like almost the least of this team's concerns or worries. But, you know, I have been a little skeptical of his rotations, especially kind of late in games. And as far as his comments after games, I don't remember what game it was um, where he spoke to how amazing it is, how different this team looks from game to game, quarter to quarter, half to half sometimes. And as I was watching him speak, there was part of me that said, well, I mean, you kind of have a – the hand in that a little bit, you know, these are professionals. These guys are getting paid to do a job and that's not to take that responsibility off of them, but you have a part in this too. And I wonder if Billy's not checked out. That's not the right phrase to use, but I, I feel like he's been sending messages through the media and it's been as clean as he can make it without throwing anybody under the bus, save for the game at home against the Magic, where he called out the big three and asked for more from them and for the media and fans to stop looking at Isle DeSumo and Patrick Williams for this thing to get turned around or for the team to start off better during games. Um, save for that, he's usually tried his best to keep it as clean as possible um, with the least, least amount of controversy. But, you know, when you're constantly talking about a team that doesn't ha play with a, enough sense of urgency or is not meeting a certain standard, um, is not able to pull themselves off the mat and punch back after they get knocked down. It, it it's kind of out of Billy's control at a certain point. And, you know, no matter what you ask these guys, they're professionals. They're going to say the company line for the most part. Um, although Nikola Vucevic did speak to Darnell Mayberry about how if this was 30 games ago, you know, he may feel a different way about them being able to make a run here. But, I just wonder if, you know, there's so many things have been said over and over again. DeMar DeRozan with, you know, the most theological responses about what this team needs to do. It's just kind of like it's, it's, it's falling on deaf ears. And I just wonder if it's – if it's – the season is just – it just is what it is, man. That You know, you just said what I was about to say. I think it's all falling on deaf ears. It's – the fact that like 
Billy's said the same things over and over again. And I feel like even dating back to last season, you know, as the season was dying down, we've heard the same message over and over and over again. And, you know, you've brought up DeMar DeRozan's even like spitting the same stuff out post game. And Zach is saying the same things. And I think it's everybody's lost a little bit. I think Billy's lost a little bit. And, you know, I think working through the media to try to get a response from the team or, you know, just trying to use that as a motivational tactic, I think is sometimes a sign of not really knowing what, what else to do. Because I think, you know, when you have those, those types of players, like Zach, Zach's a personality, I think. I think we can all agree with that. Zach is one of those alpha, at least by, in his own mind. And, and I, I think he's, he's earned that a little bit. Like, I think Zach gets shit on a lot, especially by Chicago media that, you know, clearly people can tell by the way that I, you know, if you listen to ESPN 1000, you listen to 670, the score, you, you know, there's people there that at both stations that will tell you that Zach Levine should have never gotten a max contract. And I kind of look at them and say, well, well, wait a minute. If you're in your late twenties and you're a guy who can score anywhere on the floor, you're going to get that contract. It, like it doesn't matter. And you could say, well, you don't be the team that does that. I think that's just bad business. If you don't do that, like that's still a movable contract, given his capability, given his skill set, he's always going to be desirable. I heard one host and I, I'm trying to remember which, which show it was compare him to like, he's pulling up, you know, Dale Ellis and, and Jeff Malone, like high volume scores from the eighties. And to me, that's like, all right, you're, you're kind of, you're lumping him into a very odd category when you start doing that. Like to me, I, I start questioning your NBA knowledge. Like, yeah, is, is Zach a little more of a high volume scorer? Sure. At times, but I feel like he's been pretty, you know, are there games where he might take a lot of shots to score 25? Yeah. But there's plenty of games where he's very efficient and the fact that he can score anywhere on the floor and create his own shot. is very valuable. Like you, you can't deny that. I don't think Dale Ellis had that ability. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't remember that even like looking at old NBA footage. And I know I'm a little younger, but I've, I've seen Dale Ellis in his, you know, Sonics days and wherever Milwaukee days. Like he was, you know, just he was a chucker. I don't think Zach's a chucker. You know, like that. That's when you say that kind of name, Jeff Malone, chucker. I don't see that. Like that's not Zach. Um, Zach's way more dynamic. So, you know, you bring him back, you still have value whether he stays here. And I think he can be a piece on any team. I think it, that goes back to to roster construction. I think that's where everybody's kind of at a loss is it's like, well, did, you know, Billy buy into this saying, well, you know, it's good to have stars here. I'll, I'll, I can do, you know, that's my job. I'll, I'll coach him up best I can. But when, again, the you know, whole is less than the sum of its parts. Is that a problem then when, you know, each of these are nice, really good players, but together in concert, they suck. <laughs> like, and maybe it's, it's gotten to a point where like, everybody's just kind of grasping at straws and hoping that they can find answers. But now we're at a point in the season where I think it's just, it's too little too late. Yeah. They're obviously they're going to keep pushing for the playing tournament until they're mathematically eliminated. But I think the writing's been on the wall for a little while. I think um, it speaks to kind of where this, I don't want to say where the team's heart was, but their need for some rah-rah when the front office was entertaining the idea of bringing Russell Westbrook in and, then pivoting and bringing in Patrick Beverly, who um, has helped the team. But I think those two guys, for as much as whatever they could have done for you on the court, I think the front office looked at it as much or more so about what they could do for the locker room and um, helping these guys get a little more fire in their bellies. But – to me, the season is is lost. Um, yeah, and it's been lost. It's been lost for a little while now. Um, Zach has been on an absolute tear since the All Star break. 
Um, I think he's averaging something like 31 points on uh, something like 50, 40, 90 shooting splits or, or something of that nature. But the team was only three and three during that six game span. And that's not me putting it on Zach. It's just saying that, you know, even with him going off and we understand that DeMar DeRozan is probably playing less than 100 percent, as as are a lot of other guys probably at this point in the season. But it's just so much they have to overcome just to win games, just to close games out. And, you know, whatever you want to attribute that to, it just is what it is. And you wonder if Zach's performances, especially during this stretch, is he building his trade value? Mm. Or is he convincing the front office that they need to they need not engage in trade talks about him during the summer because he's mm. still smarter to keep and try to reconfigure this thing around? Yeah, I do think and I'm kind of like torn a little bit like on my end. Like if, if I were in their shoes, I would leave all options open and I would be shopping anybody and everybody. So like I, I see what offers are out there for Zach. And if I don't like them, I don't pull the trigger. Um, But I get this gut feeling and I kind of hinted this to you before we, we hopped on the mic here is I get the feeling that they're in the mode to try to have their cake and eat it too, where they look at Zach as still a young piece that they can have on this roster going forward, but also leaving it open to the idea of, well, you know, we could, if this doesn't work in 2024, try to deal them at the deadline or that off season. You know, I, I think, you know, at the deadline, yeah, was his value not completely in the shitter. Yeah, I, I think there was still some value there, but certainly not as high as probably it would be this summer. So, like, if I were them, I'd, I'd try to, to do this. But I think that they're going to try to convince... I think they'll convince themselves that we're going to keep Zach and we're going to re-sign Nikola Vucevic because I, I, I still think that that's the one thing that is keeping this whole thing alive, is just not admitting that maybe that trade they made two years ago might've been a little too rich for them that, you know, cause like we talked about this, the roster construction being an issue. I, you kind of look at the, the pieces that are here. And if you were bringing in Vooch and you kind of had in the back of your mind, you're bringing in Lonzo ball, would it have been better instead of bringing DeMar DeRozan in to really fill it up? Like, around the perimeter and really try to play through Nikola Vucevic and have, you know, Zach Levine be that guy that kind of gives you that extra pop and, and can kind of play off the ball or with the ball in his hands and kind of mix it up a little more. Maybe they're thinking in the back of their mind, mm, we should try doing that next season. And so I think DeMar will be the likely trade candidate in the summer, but I, I get the feeling that it's not just even his performance. Now I think, they want to find a way to see if Zach can still be a piece, not maybe the central piece, but a piece that is here when they turn it around. And maybe that Nikola Vucevic is, you know, kind of part of the, um, you know, I, I think part of that too, which probably upsets some Bulls fans, but I me mean, kind of read the tea leaves a little bit. Why are they so hesitant to really, make a, I think a, a game changing move at the deadline. Why were they hesitant to really even make a game changing move last off season? When I think most teams would have probably been a little bolder given the position they were in uh, of being a playoff team and, and wanting to build off of that. You know, I, I think there's something to them wanting to build this with at least for one more season or try to do it, you know, part of next season with, with Vooch in tow, for another year or two and, and Zach and, you know, try to 
kind of run it back, but then build a little more around the margins. That's what I kind of see coming. I think is is this front office front office is basically are we keeping Zach or are we blowing it up? Because if you keep him, you can do. I think you know you're kind of doubling down on that commitment you made to him this past summer. But if you trade if you trade him, why keep Demar Derozan or Nikola Vucevic, or just why, why keep those two at that point, you know? And the problem is, I think that, or I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not a G, nobody's GM, and um, I suck at the uh, trade, trade machines, but I'm pretty sure Zach Levine can fetch you the most out of anybody on your team. Yeah. And so you're in a position where you might want to fill in these gaps and make improvements along the margins. But the problem is the person that can best help you do that is Zach Levine. And he's the one guy who if you trade a very strong argument could be made that you should then just go ahead and tank. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. Um, go ahead and blow it up. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and like, I think if, if, and again, the prediction I'm making is more as what I think, think they will do but i agree with you if i were in their shoes i think that's the move i make because you know what what would you be then like let's say you trade you trade zach maybe you trade DeRozan too um then you have patrick williams maybe you you know you're bringing back io you're bringing i would even consider bringing back kobe white at the right price um and I, you know if i'm adding young players like from that like Knicks package. I mean, what am I at the very worst? If I really fill it out around the margins, am I a team like, you know, um, Indiana, Orlando? Like, am I? Is that is that the team that I I become? I mean, it's not terrible, you know. I, I I don't know. Like, the next season, like to me, if you are looking at the lens of a full reboot, like we, you know, one of the reasons that everybody was kind of juiced about. Arturis Karnaschovas was the Denver draft record, you know, what they did in the draft and what they did in terms of player development. So it would be interesting to actually see him do that because he has really had a draft where that was the possibility. I mean, Patrick Williams was his sole pick before this new core was brought in. So it would be interesting to see. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of overselling. Maybe they're just a really crappy team once Zach, you know, Demar and Vooch are gone. If if they do go the route of a complete rebuild, it just it sucks for Bulls fans because we already went through this. You know, we already went through the quote unquote rebuild in at the end of the Garpax era, and it's like if it, it's got that same weird feeling too. Like we're even swinging at a chance at luck. Like we're talking about a 7.5% chance of the number one pick and a 30 something percent chance at what almost 32% chance at top four pick. So the only way that they can get their draft pick, like we're just praying for luck. And that's something I always remember in the Garpax era, pray for luck. They're not going to get a superstar. Hope they draft one. Hope that at number seven, somebody falls to you like that. That's the feeling like it, it, it has that same same aura about it that we had in the, in the Garbacks era. Yeah. I'm not sure if um, this thing could have gone any worse um, for Acme, you know, if they lose that pick, I think that's, that's, that's the worst case scenario. Um, and I say that as somebody who, was very excited and all for the trade when it first happened. Um, so I don't want to come up here and, and misrepresent myself or, you know, start taking things back in hindsight. It is what it is, but just to kind of step back and take a look at how everything's unfolded since they traded for Vucevic in March of what was that? 2021. Mm -hmm. It's just, man, it's, it's amazing, man. It's, it's, it's amazing. Amazingly you know, like, bad for the most part. 
Well, and it goes back. I think we've mentioned this on another episode about how, you know, yes, in hindsight, it's bad because of what's unfolded here and the fact that you're without draft capital. And, but at the time I could, you know, it made sense to us because I think we all assumed other things were coming. Other moves were going to, you know, come down the pipeline. And yes, the DeMar DeRozan and, and Lonzo Ball moves were big, but you kept seeing just, or you had the feeling that other possibilities would come and that the aggressiveness would always continue. And for some reason, it's just, stopped ever since the trade deadline of last season 2022 it's all stopped and it's been very questionable margin signings since then so yeah like that i think that's the 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 issue with it had they kept being bold like they had been from the moment they got vooch the moment they got lonzo the moment they got demar and caruso and operate over the cap like they were doing in that situation. If they just kept doing that and kept saying, you know what, we're not satisfied. We're going to keep retooling the roster, you know, doing what teams like Miami, the Sixers, um, you know, pick it, pick any team out in the West. Like they're always trying to find ways to retool every season, you know? And so guys that you might like end up getting moved. You know, we, I think I remember talking about this on a podcast. Um, it would have been, gosh, it would have probably been leading into the 2022 season right after free agency. I don't know. It might've even been with you. And one of the, when you were a guest, and I think one of the points that I had made is, you know, Hey, Vooch is attractive as a trade candidate, giving, given his de-escalating contract. So over time, hell, if you're like, Hey, I want to go get Carl Anthony Towns great. You could trade Vooch. You could trade you know, whoever, like get creative with the packages you put together. And like now hindsight's 2020, this was prior to the, you know, Rudy Gobert trade, fucking everything up in terms of draft <laughs> competition. But you know what I mean? Like it was that level of creativity and, and thinking like, Oh, I, th- this is the kind of front office we have. They're a little more forward thinking. They're a little more um, apt to kind of, you know, work around trying to like, make these kind of moves but i mean clearly in the last year we've been it's been proven otherwise they're kind of just happy to sit on what they got um which is very disappointing because i do think you could have rectified the situation i I really think honestly drew the the chance for them to strike was this past summer like when we were sitting here around June and we were talking about the possible free agent signings to bring in, we, we brought up Hartenstein and we brought up Mo Bamba. And these were your chances to really upgrade the roster, use your full mid-level exception, maybe part with a Nikola Vucevic, you know, getting that level of creative, I think was the move to make because you could say, well, the, the trade's a failure, but if you say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and we're going to bring in somebody else. We're going to use Vooch as a trade chip to get somebody else and improve the makeup of the roster or whatever it is. Then we wouldn't be sitting here talking about how that trade's been an epic failure. You know, it, it would have been forward thinking to say, you know what? Things worked last year, but by the end of the year, it fell off. We need to get better instead of just looking at, well, we need, we need to maintain continuity. Um, that's what separates the good teams from the mediocre ones and the mediocre ones from the bad ones. So I think, you know, yes, in hindsight, it does look bad, but I was with you at that time. Cause I thought this was the road we were heading down of aggressiveness, but not the case. Yeah. And um, that statement you just made about the time to kind of really shake things up. And the the only thing that keeps coming back in my mind since you said that is that they had to have thought that Lonzo Ball was going to be back in the fold um, at some Mm -hmm. point this season. That's the only that's the only reason I can I can I can point to is the reason why they were so married to this idea of continuity and weren't really looking to to move any of those core pieces or core guys. Which you know you can call them dumb for that way of thinking or naive or whatever it may be, but they were the ones that brought him in, paid him the money, and 
you know, they're the ones running this operation and the, the best way that they see fit. I know um, a lot of us disagree with uh, a lot of the moves that they've made or some of the moves that they made, but um, I can't think of any stronger reason for them not to have done what you just said than them selling themselves on the idea that Lonzo Ball was, was going to be back at some point this season and that there was going to be this return to the way that the Bulls played the first 35 games of the 2021-2022 season. Maybe they were punch drunk. I don't know. You know, off of that, off of that sample size. You know, and and I think you're on to something there. Cause, and I think we've talked a little bit about it too. Like, there had to be some type of disconnect with what the front office believed and what Lonzo Ball's camp knew about where Lonzo was at. Um, because it did sure as hell seem like that the message of continuity really did center around the return of Lonzo Ball. Um, so it, it's, and that's a little scary to think about, like that they, I don't want to say got duped, but you know, that they didn't know, um, yeah, that they didn't have that knowledge that, Hey, there's actually a, you know, that he's more dinged up than, than we think, you know, like it's, it's weird that they didn't have that, um, that knowledge at that point. Cause, um, you know, like looking at where we're at now and he's getting shut down for the full season. It's, it's a little, little concerning. Um, you know, I'm trying to think back, um, you know, like I'm, I said about luck, you know, Drew, and like I, I, I am at this point in in the mode of rooting for kind of like tank losses. I, I want to be entertained, but I don't know if I really want the Bulls to win at this point because I'd rather them take take the thirty one point nine percent chance to try to land in the top four at this point because, um, you know, you get in the plan. Or fighting for a play-in, like what's the point? You know, I, I'd rather have them go take their swing in the lottery at this point and and see if, you know, they can get in into that top four. You know, every day I'm on Tankathon and I'm I'm doing the the lottery simulations and, you know, hey, there's been there's been a couple of spins. Like I did a couple of days ago, I did five spins and four out of the five the Bulls were in the top four. So just saying. <laughs> I mean. Now I know it's not eighty percent. It just kind of maybe happens just by randomness. But hey, it was yeah. it was great. One thing that is a little disappointing, it does not look like that Portland pick is going to convey, which is a real punch to the gut, because you're going to lose out on not having a pick at all in this draft, potentially. Yeah, as again, man, it just feels like gut punch after gut punch. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, I think I'm in the same boat with you where I'd rather see this team, you know, compete but but lose just in the name of um, having a better shot at keeping the pick this summer. Mm. But let me pose this question to you. Now, this would take an act of God almost in a, in a positive direction because as we sit here on Tuesday – March 7th, the Bulls are the 11th seed. If I told you that the Celtics would come back and overtake the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, okay, a team that the Bulls have beaten twice this season, right? And they yes. also have gone down to the wire in Boston earlier this season as well. If I were to tell you that the Bulls would get that 10 seed that they would win two role games to get into the playoffs as an eight seed and have the good fortune of playing the Boston Celtics. How would you feel about that? Knowing the success, whether it was due to Boston playing down to the level of competition or whatever it was, how would you feel about them playing the Celtics 
in the playoff series. And again, this is like far out there, you know, scenarios, because I want to remind our listeners that the Bulls are 11 and 21 on the road this season. And as I said, if they're going to sneak into the playoffs as an eighth seed, they would have to win two road games to do so. <sighs> so I wouldn't care. Um, I guess my – so I think in the moment I would feel a little entertained knowing that they found a way to squeak into the playoffs and, and do the unthinkable in the play-in. Um, I think that would be kind of like, oh, that's that's fun. That's kind of cool. Um, and then, you know, maybe seeing them. Look, I think in a best of seven. Maybe they win a game. Maybe they win two. You know, maybe it's like the, uh, you know, the year with the three alphas where they they take a two nothing lead and then blow four straight. Um, maybe somebody hurts their wrist. I don't know. Um I just think it doesn't matter. Like even with the matchup that we've seen them play against the Celtics, I think part of that too, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of that happened without Williams in the lineup, correct? Robert Williams. Yeah. I believe at least two of those get two of those games. Yeah. Not mistaken, Cause a lot of those games were earlier in the season. Yeah. And like, I just, I'm not, I guess I'm not convinced that, they're going to be able to hang with Boston a seven game series come playoff time. Cause like those teams take it up another step. And I do think when that happens, then, you know, the bulls could be run out of the gym potentially. And, and especially as we've seen this season go on against different competition, we've actually seen the, the script kind of flip around the trade deadline where now teams are just, you know, if they're getting hot from three, the bulls are, are screwed. Um, so I guess I, I'm not anticipating that, you know, happening, but if they did, you know, get into the, you know, playoffs via the, you know, improbable wins in the plan, I guess in the moment it would be like kind of fun. But then I think when the lottery would roll around and God forbid where they would have landed ends up in the top four, I will be pissed. I will be pissed off. Um, so I guess that's where I'm at, you know, I, I, not to, not to piss on the question because I, it's a good point because, you know, earlier this season, that was a big talking point. You know, you brought it up with Will Gottlieb when he came on back in, in November, like that was a conversation that was being had. Like, Hey, if the bulls are, you know, bottom playoff team or a playing team and they, face the Celtics like could this be a matchup because I think we're still thinking hey this team has a chance and maybe this team also does some things to improve and it's just gotten worse since then but yeah like it, it was something we were talking about and, it, and I think that kind of adds to it like how crazy like the discussion and the, the conversation has changed in, in Bulls Nation since then can you imagine the Bulls getting to the AC and Taking two, games, uh, taking two games off the Celtics and, and AK saying, well, we improved on last season because, you know, technically yeah. it would have been six games in the playoffs as opposed to the five they got against Milwaukee. This is why I hate the whole idea of the play, Andrew, because I think it's going to give people like give executives false hope. Like they could still like I could see executives and, and you know, hey, I could see AK even kind of spinning it as well, you know we got it out in the play-in and we did win that, you know, we did get into the playoffs via the play-in and that's like a playoff atmosphere. I mean, cause like the, it is technically an extension of the playoffs, but it's the participation trophy. You know what I mean? It's the honorable mentions. We are, when you make a list, right. Of your top, whatever, you know, sometimes you, you have the honorable mention section that's the playing teams. They're the honorable mention to the NBA playoffs. So, okay. I, it, I, it doesn't really, I guess, do anything for me. And again, like long-term health of, of the franchise, I would rather have them 
take their swing in the lottery because you know the other thing too if you don't get a, a top four pick all right at least you're in the lottery position all right and if you don't then maybe you're you're if you're acme hopefully you then say you know what we didn't get lucky so now we have to take another path to create our own luck and maybe that's dealing you know some of these players that are on the roster and and, and hitting the reset button for a couple of years um you know, because like, hey, if they I mean, the best case scenario would be you get into the lottery, you get a top four pick and then maybe you're saying, well, all right, roll this back with Zach, roll it back with top pick, you know, Patrick Williams, whoever. And let's take our swing of really adding to the roster in, you know, maybe in the off season or the following off season, you know, just kind of taking it from there. But yeah, it's it, it sucks when we're having these conversations, but I mean, I think everybody in Bulls Nation kind of understands like, you know, what do you want us to talk about? You want us to talk about matchups coming up here? I mean, give me a fucking break. It's not, <laughs> you know, hey, let's talk about let's talk about the game in Denver tomorrow. Let's talk about the game against the Rockets on Saturday. Like, yeah, you know, it's. <laughs> You know, especially after I think the loss to the Pacers was, and again, you were there. Did that not feel like a, a dagger? It it did. It was before the game against my better judgment. I just knew the Bulls were going to take care of business. Um, I was low-key hoping for them to just leave no doubt, like one of those type of victories where they pummel their opponent, not that that, that has happened too often this season, but, you know, they they handle their business. Um, they, pos- they improve their positioning in terms of getting in their play-in because the Wizards lost to Milwaukee that same night. Mm-hmm. And they came out pretty good. Um, I want to say they had a double-digit lead, 12 points or so maybe, um, early in the first or second quarter. And then they were just playing from behind until that fourth quarter. And in that fourth quarter, Zach hit some big shots. DeMar hit some big shots. Of course, Zach missed the third of his three free throws he got after getting fouled on a three-pointer. And then just – Halliburton hitting that three, man. It just yeah sucked the life out of that arena. Even though the Bulls you know, still had 2.7 seconds left, but man, it was um and for him, for it to be him who hit that shot, somebody who fans were wanting the Bulls to take a couple of years ago, um, it just was the worst kind of poetic. It was poetic injustice, I guess. <laughs> You know, with Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, um, I was the only reason I wasn't sold on him was because of where he went to college. And if I could go back in time and, and slap myself in the face, I'd happily go back and do that because, I mean, this guy is a fucking beast. Like, Tyrese Halliburton is going to prove to be a perennial, I think he's going to be a perennial all star. Um, and I mean, like, you know, he had his first honors this year going and I think it's going to continue. Like you see what he does with the ball in his hands and he, the way he can score now anywhere on the floor. It's like, imagine if you had that with Zach Levine, you know, and, and possibly oh. Nikola Vucevic, if you made that trade, I mean, don't hurt my feelings, man. Please. I know. Well, and you know, this comes back to you, you, you might not have made the move for Lonzo ball, but who knows who else you would have added at that point, you know, and where you'd be sitting now. So it, it does kind of, it is a bit of a gut punch. Um, as we wrap up here, um, and you know, like we, we've said in these last few episodes, we're not doing our, our schedule breakdowns that much anymore, but are you, what are you anticipating in this next week? Because you have, you know, there's only two games left to round out this week. Um, 
you know, like I said, you, you have uh, this matchup in Denver, which is always a pain for the Bulls. That's that's always been a house of horrors playing in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're one of the hottest teams in the NBA. And then you have, of course, Saturday night against Houston, who the Bulls had a terrible loss to, uh, I think it was around uh, or just before the new year, I think. It was right around that same time as like the Timberwolves – fiasco i think it was like uh coming off the heels of that a few like games after that um, yeah they were, they were in the midst of a three-game win streak um day after christmas and they take a 15 point loss on the chin at home yeah <laughs> and it's been the story of the bull season so yeah. you know you have that coming up and then you know next wednesday um on march 15th man you got to go you got to play the Kings who have been a surprisingly good team this year. So, I mean, I have, I just have this bad feeling like we're, we're going to be dealing with a dead team walking for the next couple of weeks. Are we not already? Fair point. Fair point. I mean, the, the you know, the Pat Beverly surge. I, yeah. I mean, it didn't feel like that last time we spoke, you know, but I think you might be onto something. That's why I said like that Pacers game might've been the, the full blown dagger to them. I mean, you could argue the Raptors game, but I actually think the Pacers game was the one that basically told you, Hey, one of the teams that's fighting for a play in, play in spot fighting for it now has a tiebreaker over you and has overtaken you um, potentially. So I think that that figure. I think you might be right, sir. That maybe this already is dead team walking. Yeah, I mean, these next five games that you just went over the two game road trip this week and the three game homestand next week. I mean, I can see them going zero five. Like, Oof. I could. Um, I'm not sure they will, but I can see them going zero five for sure. In this next stretch? In this next stretch. Uh, well, sh- you know what follows up that stretch? Two games against the Sixers. Stuff. And then that West Coast trip where you're at Portland, at Lakers, at Clippers, and then back home to face the Lakers again. <laughs> I mean, if, if that happens, if you're rooting for – if you're rooting for the lottery ball scenario – I mean, shit. If if we see that happen, if you're if you are Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, you sit down with Billy Donovan. You say we are we are we are going now. We're we're committing to the tank. Like there's no need to even try to to get the guys on the floor at that point. <laughs> I mean, you you basically you have stumbled into to a tank, and it's funny because. Given what happened at the deadline, you never – that would not have probably been a, a scenario in Acme's mind, but they might end up stumbling into one if, if your scenario plays out the way it does. Yeah, and you can't even – without looking at every team and where they are standings-wise, you can't even bank on teams resting guys or maybe taking it easy because a lot of these teams are fighting for positioning. Exactly. So – it's just um, a tough position that these Bulls have put themselves in and <laughs> nobody to, to blame but themselves, man. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny, like, you know, we, we when we talked with Buzz and everything, you know, last week, um, and it was a really good conversation. I, I encourage our listeners, you know, go back and listen to it. There's a lot of evergreen content in there, um, you know, hitting on a lot of themes about the Reinsdorfs and the kind of similarities between the White Sox and the Bulls. But, you know, part of that conversation we had is like, you know, do, do we resurrect that executive decision series? <laughs> like, I mean, it's interesting because I want to definitely know, like, what's the escape route from this, yeah. you know? Because, yeah, the, the, the after effect, if, if that does happen, if they end up in a lottery position, um, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of questions from Bulls Nation. I think 
we deserve answers from Acme, and I think we deserve answers for Billy Donovan. And I'll I'll leave on this question for you, actually. If the Bulls end up in a position where this season kind of continues to go south to end the year, and they end up in the lottery, is there a scenario where they might have to fire Billy Donovan? And I say that because, like, what if you're planning on, especially if Acme are not fully committed to a, a full teardown, how can you bring back Billy Donovan if Zach Levine's still in the picture and if Nikola Vucevic ends up still being in the picture? Because clearly he lost these guys. How are you going to regain their trust next season with possibly a different roster? Like that's, that's what I'm trying to understand. Like if this continues to go South, you end up in the lottery in that case, like how could you even have any form of continuity with, with the same head coach? That's a good point. But to play devil's advocate, I would almost look at it the other way that if you trade Zach Levine, which we've already talked about, would be a sign that they're pulling the plug on this thing. Why would Billy want to? I know he just signed an extension, but why would Billy stay when, to our knowledge, he's not about a rebuild? That was part of the reason why him and the and the Thunder agreed to part ways. Yeah, it's they are in they are in quite the pickle, man. Because <laughs> I mean, they locked themselves into Billy Donovan when they didn't really need to. They're now in a position where the locker room kind of seems a little lost right now. The roster construction sucks. They are without draft capital. I mean, fuck. Man, they got their work cut out for them, don't they? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, we saw them work themselves out of a proverbial straitjacket um, a couple summers ago with the help mm-hmm. of, of Jay Polk, who they brought in um, shortly after Acme uh, got in place. So we know that they're capable of... of you know, pulling the, the rabbit out of the hat. Can they do it again? Yeah. If they can, how are they going to do it? I'm willing to watch. I'm willing to see if they can do it. Um, you know, like, and that's, I think that's the, the craziness about all of this. We saw them do that. And I think that's what makes this, I think that's what makes this extra maddening. That's why I'm sitting here constantly. It seems like every week ranting on some of the same themes because it's just it's puzzling to see it get to this point so um it'll be interesting and i I do you know we're going to continue to be here to be bulls nations therapy talk this out because i'm sure as these games go on you know there still could be playing implication there still could be scenarios that we kind of see unfold week to week because these odds are going to continue to change and that could change the narrative altogether. So, you know, we're going to continue to do this. We're going to continue to talk each other through it, talk Bulls Nation through all this. And we'll continue to share our thoughts on social media, Twitter. I'm at MGenteel88. Drew's at look what Drew did. Rebuildable podcast is at rebuild underscore a underscore bull. That's where you can find all the latest episodes. Uh, all of the, our, our thoughts that we retweet from our own accounts and from other uh, Bulls accounts or other reporters accounts. Um, you can find the Rebuildable podcast on all the major streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Rebuildable there. And if you subscribe, you'll get the latest episode right away. So there's a, a big benefit to doing that. We would greatly appreciate it if you do. Before we get out of here, Drew, final thought to wrap things up. I think we pretty much said it all, man. Will will the Bulls commit to will the schedule or results of the schedule in this next five game stretch determine how the rest of the season plays out in terms of them continuing to push for a playing spot or just give in to, to what this season has become? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see um, because. 
I mean, it's been the theme of the bowl season. When you think you got a soft part of the schedule, it comes back to bite you anyway. So um, with Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.